Dixon's singing at heart is fine. Listen to me. Please, don't listen to what I'm telling you. Dixon, Dixon is singing at five minus five decibels to zero decibels. The rest of them are hitting right around minus 10 decibels. I don't understand that, so don't worry about explaining about that. Well, so once again, our Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, as your yeah. word says, those who pray, Lord, and all those that are watching online, Lord, let your spirit, let your joy, let your peace, let your greatness just be overwhelming. Oh, Lord, we just come into you this morning Amen. with songs of adoration, with prayers of hope and love, with thoughts of a closer and deeper relationship with you. For you are the almighty God. Your greatness cannot be matched by anything in this universe. For without you, Lord, we are nothing. We have no joy. We have no peace. But through you, all things are possible. Through you, we are victorious. Through you, we are no longer captives to an enemy that tries to kill us. To you, we are no longer bound by the chains of sin. Through your blood, we are healed, Lord. Through your transgressions, we have been saved. Oh, Lord, we just come before you this morning to worship you, to honor you, to lift up your word, and to speak of your holiness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a good-looking crowd this morning. What a good-looking crowd this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look good. You look good. You look good. But I look better. The joy of the Lord is what we're going to speak about this morning. The joy of the Lord is, is a gladness of the heart. It comes from knowing God. It comes from abiding in Christ. It comes by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us know him in every aspect that we can. Let us use our knowledge of him in our decision making, our actions, our behaviors, and our daily communication with him. Let him become the foundation of our life. In Habakkuk, 
or Habakkuk, however way you want to pronounce it. Chapter 3, verses 17, it says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on the high hills. Now I'm going to read that same scripture from the New Translation, or the Good News Translation, and it goes like this. Even though the fig trees have no fruit and the grapes don't grow on the vines. And even though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no grain, even though all the sheep die and the cattle stalls are empty, I will be joyful and glad because the Lord is my Savior. The sovereign Lord gives me strength. He makes me sure-footed as a deer and he keeps me safe in the mountains. Paul writes in Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So as we speak about joy, joy is a characteristic of a life of faith. It marks both our community and our individual behavior. Joy is a quality not simply an emotion of which God is both the object and the giver. We can rejoice in God individually because of his forgiveness, because of his favor on us, because of his fellowship with us. Joy and gladness are inspired not only by God's activity in this country and in our community and in our nation, but also in our very being, in who we are, faithful to rejoice in God's justice. He is steadfast in his love. He is steadfast in his faithfulness towards us, his goodness, his power, his word and his commands, and all his embracing and all his healing. Joy also belongs to the realm of the supernatural. Angels rejoice in an unbeliever's conversion. You find that in scripture. That they just rejoice when someone is saved. Can you imagine the multitudes of angels in heaven just rejoicing and clapping their hands and saying, wow, that person just turned into a believer. That person just surrendered their life to, to Jesus Christ, our Savior. Joy is closely related to gladness and sometimes happiness. Although joy is a state of being, joy is part of who you are, who you are in Christ. Happiness 
is an emotion. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. It is part of a Christian experience. Now I read this story online and it, it's somewhat sad, but it's somewhat funny at the same time. It talks about a man who had a, a small bird and this small bird was a very good singing little bird. It sang beautiful songs. It was very beautiful to look at. And one day, the guy was cleaning the cage with a vacuum cleaner. Oh no. Yeah, you know what happened. He sucked that bird right up in that vacuum cleaner. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and as terrified as he became, he, he shut the vacuum off immediately. He took it apart, and it was one of those ones with a bag, so he cut open the bag. And he finds the bird, and the bird is still alive. Oh, wow. But the bird is covered with dust and dirt, as you can imagine. But the guy's first thought is, let me take this bird to the, to the sink, let me wash it off, let me clean it. But he's watching the little bird, and the little bird is just shivering. So he decides, I'll get a hair dryer and I'll dry the bird. Oh, no. So he gets the hair dryer and he blows a very cooling, warm air, nothing pressure. And he gets the bird nice and clean. And he puts the bird up in the cage. And a few days later, his friends are calling him saying, how's the bird? And he said, the bird just sits there and stares. He just stares. Very rarely sings. If we don't have the joy of the Lord, we just sit and stare. We have nothing to bring out the joy, bring out the emotions that God has given us to rejoice, to be glad. Because before the bird got sucked up in the vacuum cleaner, it was a happy little bird. It was singing all the time. But now, its joy is gone. It's not going to get it back. We have the opportunity, if we've lost the joy of the Lord, to receive the joy of the Lord back. We have the opportunity to get it back. I mean, sometimes the ordeals of our life the tests, the trials, the tribulations that we go through. So many times we blame it on an enemy when it's really God just testing us to see how we handle a certain situation, to see how we handle things, to see whether we're progressing, whether we're growing in our faith, or whether we're just chasing a happiness rather than a joy. So the question becomes, are you happy today? Are you joyous today? I mean, happiness is elusive. Happiness depends on certain things. If you find your happiness in money and you have no money, you're not gonna be happy. If you find your happiness in a spouse or in a partner or in a, and you have no longer have that, you're not gonna be happy. If you find your happiness in your job and in a position that they've given you or they promise you and they take it away, your happiness is gone. 
But if your joy is in the Lord, he says he supplies all our needs, that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he is always with us. So therefore, our joy is always with the Lord. Our joy is always in him, and his joy is always bounding out on us. Happiness can flee in a second. Joy will not. Happiness is entirely circumstantial. If circumstances are the source of our joy, then they're ever-changing. But if our joy is in the Lord, it's always there. In the Bible, you find the word happy or happiness maybe 20 times. You'll find the word joy about 350. There's quite a difference. God chooses to use words like rejoice, be joyful. Does he say make a joyful noise unto the Lord? He doesn't say make a happy sound. You know, how's the song go? If you're happy, clap your hands. Your joy is in the Lord. The spirit of the living God is within you, and he's in most of you. You have his spirit dwelling within you, moving within you, trying to guide you, trying to give you peace, trying to bring you what you need. God says, I'll supply all your needs. That also is your emotional needs, not just your physical needs, your spiritual needs, your emotional needs, everything that you need in order to exist in a proper relationship with the Lord, he will give you. You don't even have to ask for it. He just pours it out upon you. And you find joy. The fruit of the Spirit is a gift of God. And as I look around the room, I know each and every one of you have gifts. God has given you all gifts. They're all different. They all vary. But you have them. Are you using them for the advancement of the kingdom? Are you using them the way God has given them to you? The fruit of the Spirit is a gift of God. The prophet Habakkuk, he says this. He, he makes it perfect. He says, Rejoice in the Lord and be joyful in God, my Savior. Everything on this earth is going to pass away. If you have money, it's going to go away. If you have health, it's going to go away. If you have this, it's going to go away. If you have a house, it's going to go away. Your spirit, your soul is eternal. That's what God gives you. He gives you an eternity with him. That last is everlasting. An everlasting eternity. An everlasting peace. An everlasting joy is what the Lord has for you. So you need to rejoice in who God is and what he has done for you. Despite all odds, Habakkuk said, the Lord is my salvation. 
so it would be well with my soul. You sang a song called Well, It Is Well. I mean, how could Horatio Stafford write such a song? His four daughters and his wife drowned. They drowned on a ship. The ship went down, they all drowned. And yet he writes the song, It Is Well. It is well with my soul. Why? Because the joy of the Lord was with him. Regardless of what you go through, because every circumstance that you have on this earth is temporary. Nothing is going to last forever. I mean, the government tried to tell us that COVID was going to last forever. But it didn't. And it doesn't. People are always trying to tell you things are going to last forever, but they don't. I mean, I look at people, and you look at the Great Depression that took place in the late 20s. Here's all these people that were so rich, had all this money invested, and when the stock market crashed, they're jumping out of windows. They had, no, they had no idea how to handle life without what their material possessions were. They had no grasp on the joy of the Lord. But you all have that opportunity. You all have that chance. The joy of the Lord is his presence in your life. In Psalm 1611, it says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are the pleasures forevermore. The psalmist is trying to tell us right there that it is the presence of God that brings the peace. It's the presence of God that brings the joy. It's the presence of God that gives you that peace in your life so you continue. You get up the next morning with a smile on your face because you know God is with you. Amen. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. His son dies on a cross, sheds his blood for our sin. What does God say? I forgive you of your sin and I remember it no more. No more. No more. He tells us we are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Why are you still dwelling on the old things? Why are you still dwelling in yesterday? Yesterday's gone. There's not a thing you can do to relive it. Not one thing. I know that because a lot of yesterdays I find myself apologizing for things. But God says, I remember your sin no more. If God is present, then joy can be present. And if he dwells in your heart today, then the joy of the Lord can be a permanent fixture in your life. The smile that's on your face is the joy of the Lord. It's a reflection 
of what God is doing with your life, with you, in your relationship with him. The happiness of the heart cannot be obtained without God. Just like a light in the sunshine cannot be obtained if there is no sun on every side. In every part of the world, men and women are seeking happiness and cannot find it because they do not seek it from God. Amen. What does Jeremiah tell us? He has a perfect plan for your life. Yeah. The problem is we don't want to live what God has planned for us. We want to live what we have planned for us because we think we're smarter than God, more knowledgeable than God, that we can do things God can't do. If you think you can do that, then I would really like you to come and create something right here. You know, you're welcome to do that. Remember the two disciples in the, in the book of Luke, they were on the road to Emmaus. And they were weighed down, they were stressed, they were, they were discouraged, they were defeated. They were really downcast because Jesus had just died. He had been crucified. And Jesus comes up to him and he's walking alongside of him. He's talking to him, yeah, he's like, how's it going today? You know, they don't even recognize him. They're so depressed. They're so upset that they they think they've lost everything. And Jesus had to remind them of what the scripture said. And he had to rekindle their hope in what God is doing. Remember, God is doing a work in our lives. Amen. We were created in his image. But we weren't born into this world perfect. We were born into this world sinful, with a sinful nature. We have to overcome that. We have to overcome all the things that sin bring. Bitterness, unfaithfulness, unforgiveness, all those kind of things that God just hates, but the enemy tries to push on us. And when these two disciples finally recognized Jesus, they said, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with each other as we walked on this road and you opened the scriptures to us? They were filled with excitement now. They had seen the risen Christ. So they raced back to Jerusalem. When you're really down, and we all get into a situations where we feel beaten up by the world. I know that I've been there. I know a lot of you have been there, where it just seems like we, every step we take, one step forward, two steps back. One step forward, two steps back. We just never seem to get ahead. But Habakkuk says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. 
makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to go on into the heights. He uses the expression feet like deer. I mean, you've all seen the commercials of rams and animals up in the cliffs and the mountains, and it seems like they're standing on two inches of rock. It just becomes very, very difficult for us to walk through these stressful times. We always feel defeated. We always feel like we've been overcome, that we can't beat it. I want to do this, but I can't do this. I'm not allowed to do this. I can't move this way. I can't do this. I can't do it. The enemy keeps telling us, you can't do it. You can't do it. But God, he, he fueled that little, that little train, remember? That little engine. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. God tells you you can. God tells you you're an overcomer. You are an overcomer. You are victorious in Christ. The victory is yours. You have overcome so much. Live that victorious life. He gives us feet like deer as a metaphor for being able to walk through the most difficult situations as long as we know enough to call on the Lord. We gotta call on God. We're not gonna handle anything on our own. It seems like every time I run across a problem, and I try to do it on my own, all I do is make it worse. I put my foot in my own mouth. I know there's some of you out there that think you're perfect and you make no mistakes, but you do. God is always trying. He is always present. He is always there for us. Our joy is anchored in that relationship with Jesus. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what we're going through, he's unshakable, he's unbreakable. And that's the way our relationship with Christ ought to be, unshakable and unbreakable. Because God is there for us. If the Lord your God, if Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your house and in your heart, then there is no reason that you should ever let the enemy overcome those. For you always have God with you. You can always call on the name of the Lord. Sometimes I seek the Lord because I want certain things to go certain ways. It's not always the way I want things to happen. It just isn't. I wish it was. I wish I could just call up God and say, hey, God, I want this. God says, oh, okay, hey, you're a good guy. You got it. But he doesn't do that to me. He wants his ways. His ways are different than our ways. His thoughts are different than our way. thoughts. I mean, I would love to understand sometimes just how God thinks about certain things. 
you know, to sit down with Jesus at the table and have a cup of coffee and, and talk for about an hour. You know, I keep praying for that, and I keep getting this vision of Jesus coming and sitting down, but that's as far I always wake up the minute he sits down. I can't get past that. He comes. I can see him just coming and sitting down, and boom, it's morning. No conversation. I guess he's not ready to talk to me yet. take heed in what Paul tells us. Paul tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. Paul wrote that in the book of Philippians. When he was in prison, chained, bound. I had a friend go to Israel. They went to one place where Paul was in prison and the prison ceiling was this high. Whoa. He was chained backwards, bent over, with his back arched. We can choose to sing songs of praise despite our difficult situations, and we do. I know, we've had people up on this web worship platform going through some, some real struggles at different times in their lives, and they just sang their hearts out to God of love and adoration, because that's how they felt. But yet, their lives were still difficult. They still had situations going on, but you would never know it, the way they worshiped the Lord. You would never know. We receive his joy through our faith. You don't have to wait till the situations get better and the circumstances change. We just have to declare our faith in Jesus and the joy of the Lord will be upon us. You don't have to wait for the fig tree to bud. You don't have to wait for the grapes to grow or for the problem to be solved. We can choose to trust God. We can choose to rejoice in the Lord always. We can allow the Spirit of God to fill our hearts with joy. Because what did the Holy Spirit come as? Our comforter, our counselor, our strong tower, the Holy Spirit that dwells within us is all these things to us. Why don't we use him? Why don't we let him be the guiding force in our lives? I mean, let's just put things in perspective, in God's perspective. Joy is not a destination. It's a journey. We have joy because God is in control. Amen. If God's in control, you have joy. You have the joy of the Lord. God is just not at the end of our problems. That's not when God shows up. 
He's not like that. God's not the one to say, oh, you solved your problem, here I am. No. God's right there with you. The problem is we tend to, when we go through a difficult time, turn our back on God. Because we think God's not with us. If we don't even realize that he is with us, and as we go through this difficult time, call upon him, his strength will bring it out. God wants you to rejoice in him. He alone is enough to make us joyful. Joy does not come at the end again, but it comes in the midst of our ups and our downs. He is always with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. That means in good times and bad times, God is there. In Philippians 4, verse 12, it says, and I'm reading out of the New Century Version, I know how to live when I am poor, and I know how to live when I have plenty. I have learned the secret of being happy at any time in everything that happens. When I have enough to eat and when I go hungry, and when I have more than I need and when I do not have enough, I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. I remember that when Rose first came to this country, we lived in a small one-bedroom apartment in Miramar. We did our grocery shopping every night at the dollar store. That's where we went and bought dinner. Dinner came from the dollar store. Dinner came from the dollar store. Every single day, we didn't have enough. We had a car the engine blew up on. Just, but we were still joy. There was still peace. There was still happiness. We chose to rejoice in the Lord. We chose to accept his presence. It didn't seem to matter. In Acts chapter 16, we find Paul and Silas thrown in jail. If you remember the story, they ran into the girl that was like a medium, and, and she's running around behind them. Yep. Telling them, ah, you're the disciple of Christ. Ba, 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 ba. And she just kept on going until she, Paul finally just took the spirit right out of her. The enemy's spirit was just bothering them, and they finally had enough, and they cast that demon right out of her. Well, when they did that, the, the owners of her, because she was a slave girl, got mad. And you know sometimes corrupt politicians can kind of get done whatever they want done. So they got them thrown in jail. And then it says it was around midnight. And Paul and Silas were praying and they're singing songs to God. And the other prisoners are listening. And suddenly there's a strong earthquake. That must have been some kind of earthquake to break shackles off your wrists and off your legs. But that's what happened. And all the doors flew open. And the jailer who was sleeping when he woke up and he saw all the doors open, I mean, his first thoughts were, oh, the sergeant in charge here is gonna kill me for doing this. 
He thought his life was over. And Paul cried out to him and said, no, we're all here. We're all here. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer told someone to bring a light, and he ran inside shaking. And he fell down between Paul and Silas. Excuse me, and he says, what must I do to be saved? Because he knew there was something different in Paul and Silas. I mean, there was an absolute joy in them that here they are in prison singing songs to God, praising God. And yet, they had the opportunity to escape, but they didn't. Why? Because they were honorable men. They were men of honor. They were men of integrity. So he wants to know, what do I have to do to be saved? This is the story that your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, everyone that you're around, when they see you going through a tough time, and they see the joy that you have in your hearts. They want to know how you do it. How do you still have joy going through what you're going through? It's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all you have to say to them, and they're going to say to you, how do I get this? How do I be saved? And what does Paul say to him? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and all the people in your house. That's all you have to do. Each and every one of you carries that same anointing that Paul had in that prison that Paul and Silas had. You have it with you everywhere you go because the Holy Spirit is with you. You have that. It is the joy that's in your heart. It's the presence of God that is always with you. In James, chapter 1, verse 2, says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that these testings of your faith produces patience. But let the patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. James sets the goal for us. As Christians, he's preparing us to become mature in our faith, not lacking anything. He's telling us that is the pathway to get through the trials and the testings that we go through. Does he say, it will teach you patience. I am one of the most impatient people you will ever meet. I have the patience of a match head. When you light that match, it's gone. That's about how long my patience is. But James tells us, hey, I'm going to teach you how to do this. I find it a great
great deal of joy sometimes after I've been through a trial. I can rejoice. Sometimes I have trouble rejoicing as I'm going through it. Some people are a little mature, more mature in that area, that they know they're going through a struggle. They know they're being tested by God to see to strengthen them, to give them even more faith than they had before. And they can understand that and they can receive that because they have more patience than I do. I know there's people that have done that. I, I watch people go through things here. Joy when facing trials is sometimes when you think of that as crazy. But when I know, I know down deep inside I cannot let the troubles that we face destroy us. We can't let the enemy win that victory because he constantly wants to put his foot on us. He constantly wants to hold us down and God constantly wants to lift us up. He wants to lift us up so high. He has places he wants to take us. James is not saying that we should have some kind of superficial party when adversity comes or that we should plaster a fake smile on our face to look religious in the world. We saw the Pharisees do that all the time when we're hurting, and especially when we're hurting deep inside. But he does say we should consider it all joy because there's something here that's even greater, greater than what we're seeing. There's something here very important in taking place that will benefit us our trials during this time will lift up, will test our faith to see if our faith is even real, if it's genuine. I mean, how many people have you known throughout your life that the minute they say they're a believer, they say they're a Christian, but the minute they face a trial, in some adversity, they, they run away. You never see them again. Why? Because just, just the way they are. Their faith is not strong. And James is saying, hey, this is going to take you to the next level of maturity. Every trial you face, every test you face, God is going to be there to lift you up. One more rung of the ladder. One more step. James is trying to do is he's trying to get into our minds and he's trying to make it so we understand and so we really believe that the strongholds in our mind have to be of God. God has to be the strong one. The enemy's going to kind of come in. He's always going to try to deceive us. He's going to always try to take us away from God and everything, especially when you're on the verge of something great. The verge of getting closer and closer to God, the more you want to step into his presence, the more the enemy is up there trying to stop you. But God is always there to strengthen you. The road that James leads us on is both uphill and it's thorny. 
The benefits of the promises are not easily won. You know, there's an old saying that if it's not worth fighting for, it's not worth having. When things are easily given to people, they just kind of discard it very easily. You know, when you don't work for something, you don't really care about it. When you don't pay for something, you have no feelings about it. You didn't earn it. It's the same thing here with our faith. God's word is true. It's always been true. He's always been there with us. And James is calling us to a new way of thinking. He's telling us that when it comes to trials, when it comes to temptations, he's calling us to a new way of life. A life that we just totally rely on Christ. That we don't second guess things. And we tend to do that. So in spite of whatever comes our way, we have to consider all joy because of the joy of our salvation. Let's stand. We need to pray and ask God to make the promises of his word more than just something we would hope for, but to make them present reality in our life. Consider it pure joy knowing that he is always right there beside us every step of the way. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. This morning we're going to open the altars for those of you that need prayer this morning. Maybe some of you are going through some difficult time. Maybe some of you are facing a struggle like you've never faced before. I don't know. <coughs> But if you are, we want to pray for you and just reassure you that your strength comes from above. Your strength is in the Lord. He will supply all your needs through his riches, through the glory of his grace. He always supplies all our needs, but he always gives us strength, strength to overcome everything that this world would bring upon us. Everything that this world will challenge us to do. It's God. God is.